When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey guys, welcome back to the Play Like a Girl podcast, one of the shows for SB Nation's Ohio State site, Land Grant Holy Land. We are two girls talking about sports because our opinion counts too. I'm your host, Meredith Hine, and I'm thrilled to be joined today by my co-host, Jamie Urich. Hey Meredith, thank you so much for having me back. We're so excited to have you. Um, I know that you have been very busy in the last few weeks traveling across the country, so how has all of that been? Uh, okay, so first of all, I had only ever driven through Denver like for dinner when my mom moved me from LA to New York we stopped for dinner in Denver um and so this is my first time spending an extended amount of time there and I am obsessed uh saw show at Red Rocks which is now my favorite music venue in the country it was it was so great I'm also just so happy to be back in my own bed at the end of 17 days on the road Oh my gosh, that's such a long time. Um, But no, I mean, Denver is very cool. Uh, Always a big fan of time in Colorado. Although I admittedly, I did miss our 10-year college reunion, which was supposed to be, well, it was in Colorado Springs last weekend. Oh my gosh, but you were on travels of your own. I was indeed. Um, So I was actually in your your neck of the woods on the West Coast. Um, I did get to spend time in LA uh, and have some exciting animal encounters along the way, which was very adorable. And just like, I I don't know, I guess I achieved self-actualization en route. Oh, tell me everything. So we saw, I feel like there has to be a group, like a grouping of these three marine mammals, but we saw sea lions, seals, and sea otters uh, all in one go uh, when we went kayaking. What? The trifecta. The the trifecta, the marine mammal trifecta. But I feel like we're missing whales. We're missing dolphins. Maybe we did see some dolphins when I was at my cousin's wedding in New Jersey. There were dolphins all over Cape May. Oh my gosh. So lots of animal encounters for us. Um, yeah, I will I highlight some deer when I was at Red Rock, like, right. It, I mean, deer are not that cool. They're pretty common animals, but they were like co- not coming up to us, like touching them. Like you don't want to touch animals in the wild. You guys, like we know this, we've all seen those animal encounters gone wrong with like dumb people who try to take selfies with a lion or whatever, but like, yeah, let's not do that. Don't do it. And like, don't touch animals. It can be very bad for them. But, um, they were like coming up like right next to us, like walking next to us and were very unfazed by us. And so that was really cool. No. Um, well, on that note of not getting too close to animals in the wild. So my husband and I did a sea kayaking tour where we saw all of the aforementioned mammals, plus like many more ocean creatures, which was so awesome. Um, but the guidance was very much like eight boat lengths away from any animal that you see. Um, but what was very cute was that there are juvenile Harbor seals where we were kayaking and they're very curious, uh, and they'll follow you around. And so Dave and I actually had 
a little baby harbor seal, like following our kayak and he would just pop up every few seconds. Um, and so apparently that's acceptable. Cause like, as long as you don't interact with them and you like, make sure not to hit them with your like oars or anything, um, it's fine, but it was so stinking cute. Cause we would just turn around and his little head would be popped up above the water. Oh, that's really cute. It's going to be like my go-to like anxiety thought now. Like whenever I get like stressed or anxious, I'm going to be like, think about the Harbor Seal. Think about the Harbor Seal. That's a good, I feel like that'll calm you down so quickly. Well, it calms me down, but like also I'm really excited (laughs) now thinking about it. But um, anyway, uh, so Jamie, we are so excited to have you on the show today. Given what we were just talking about, I feel like the theme of the week is probably something like jet lag and reruns. Um, because as we'll discuss, we missed a lot of live football that we probably would have otherwise watched. But before we get to that, uh, Jamie, we have to talk about flag football because flag football was in the news this week. Oh, this is for me. Okay. If you've listened to the show before, you know, I love football. I love women in sports. I love women in football specifically. I used to play tackle football and had to stop because it was a safety concern because I was, I aged into the next age bracket and wasn't big enough as like a small middle school girl to play safely with boys who were much larger than me. Um, so this is my favorite story ever because this is the exact kind of thing that could have allowed me to continue playing the sport that I loved. And I want that for all women and all people in sports. Um, And I think that having flag football become a more mainstream option for people is um, a much more accessible and inclusive version of the sport. That's not to say we don't all love tackle football and that can't continue to be a thing, but I just think that the more people who can play football in any of its forms um, is such a good thing for sports and athletes and and people who want to play sports in general. Um, so this is really exciting news for me. Agreed. And, uh, just to back up a little bit. So this article, I believe as originally reported by the LA times, uh, centers on how women are fueling surging popularity in flag football. So, I mean, I think we all remember playing flag football in middle school, but as you alluded to, Jamie, it is something that died out a little bit as, you age. Um, maybe you played it in intramurals in college, but probably not. Um, so this is definitely very cool. And something else, uh, that I found in researching this, that I don't think we've discussed is that, uh, there's actually discussion about bringing flag football in as an Olympic sport in the next summer Olympics, which please, I love this so much. Yeah. I would love to see flag football as an Olympic sport. I would love to see it as a varsity sport in high schools um, or as an option in college beyond just like sorority and fraternity fundraisers. I mean, it it makes sense. Like you said, it's accessible. Um, It's something that a lot of folks can do. Um, Admittedly, lacrosse is another sport that's on the ballot for the next Summer Olympics. Um, And I'm a little biased towards that one. But who knows? Maybe we will both see our sports as Olympic sports. That would be cool. It would be so cool. I do think it, if we had to choose 
for the next Olympics, it does make a little more sense in my brain for lacrosse to be an Olympic sport first, only because I feel like lacrosse is for the most part, like a varsity sport that's offered. It's a sport that's played in colleges. It probably has a little bit more global recognition at this point in time. So, you know, baby steps. I would love to see we, us reach a point where flag football can be a varsity or can be an Olympic sport. I mean, but also I'm okay with us taking baby steps and like working on the ground level up too. Yeah. Um, well, speaking of an Olympic champion who just earned a new title, how about that transition? Congrats to the Las Vegas Aces and yeah. Asia Wilson, um, who just added yet another accolade with a WNBA championship to her already incredible list of accomplishments so early in her career. Yes, she sure did. Um, I'm so excited for them. And also there was like just a really beautiful story about her comforting some of the Connecticut players after the game because she had been in the position previously where like they had made it to the championships and then not won. And so even in her celebration, she was like building up the women around her. Um, and I just, I think that she's such a remarkable player, such a remarkable person. Like I, she really like give her her flowers. She deserves them all. I'm so excited for her and for Las Vegas in general. It's very cool. Uh, obviously, the Aces had their celebratory parade. Um, I believe it was yesterday. We're recording this on Wednesday, the 21st. Um, but interestingly, it makes sense that this was Las Vegas's four, first sports championship parade. It was. Yeah. Let's talk about the Las Vegas sports scene and how they have acquired all of their professional franchises. And they now have so many professional franchises in like the last five years alone. It's been we went from having like none. And then overnight yeah. there were like 10 teams. Yeah. There's now, I mean, there's now football, hockey and WNBA. Are yeah. Missing any? That, I mean, even just those. Um, that's incredible. And NBA, right? No. Oh no. You're right. You're right. You're right. Yeah. Well, speaking of the NBA and the WNBA, um, we have not had a chance to discuss this topic, which is pretty dark, um, but it certainly, I feel rather vindicated. Uh, Robert Sarver, the now former owner of the Suns and Mercury, who was suspended last week by the WN or NBA and WNBA for an entire year for workplace misconduct, um, is now selling the Suns and the Mercury. I mean, like good riddance and goodbye. Um, I, for those of you who are not familiar with the whole story, um, there was mistreatment of female athletes, including sexual harassment, comments about their appearance. Um, There was like repeated use of the N-word. And someone like that doesn't need to be uh, running an organization or multiple organizations. And I'm glad that he's stepping down. And like he said in his statement that he doesn't want to detract from the people who work really hard within those organizations. And like, I, th- I think it's, ex- it's absolutely the right call of like this, there, there has to be a zero tolerance policy. I don't think that the one year suspension was strong enough. And so um, I'm glad that the people who have been affected by this are going to be able to continue to work without being like repeatedly traumatized by having to work for him. 
yeah. Or having to deal with like in a year, he's going to come back. Um, totally agree. And what I love about this result is that it just shows that, you know, he's obviously the owner. He's, he makes the decisions, uh, within his organ, within his organization, excuse me. And it just goes to show when you're part of a league and your league has standards, you have to follow those standards or you have to get out. And so the NBA and the WNBA do have standards for how owners, players, coaches, everyone treats one another and he violated them. Right. And now he is no longer going to be involved. And I just think that is beautiful justice. It sets a really good precedent too of like, just because you're the man with the money doesn't mean that you're above the the rules and the way that we treat each other. Because I do think that a lot of times like the higher ups get away with a lot because they are the ones with the money. And I think that this just goes to show that like that doesn't have to be the case or the way that we approach things. And you shouldn't be given just like carte blanche to behave however you want just because you have a lot of money in your bank account. And I'm just going to like go off on a mini tangent here. So feel free to (laughs) join me if you so desire. So I agree. I think that the initial one-year suspension was, it felt like a slap on the wrist and a very temporary solution, but like kudos to Adam Silver, because once again, the NBA is coming out on top in terms of making sure that the people within the league are cared for. Um, So yeah, unhappy with the initial announcement, but you know, within just a few days, it feels like it got resolved in a way that made everyone feel very comfortable. Yeah, I agree. And it sounds like the, you know, the players, the folks who are working behind the scenes at the organization, like they're all happy with this decision to sell the team and they're feeling a lot safer in their workplace as a result. So I think ultimately like it should never have come to this because he shouldn't have been behaving behaving that way, but that was the choice that he made. And this is the appropriate consequence and ramification for sure. Um, moving on to happier things. Uh, so Joe Hayden, formerly of the Cleveland Browns and who spent the start of his career with the Cleveland Browns announced his retirement today. Um, and that he's going to be signing a one day contract with the Browns so that he can retire in Cleveland. Um, I have some feelings about this most particularly that I hope the one day contract is for Thursday. Um, and that maybe he can suit up and play the Steelers because the Brown secondary is definitely struggling right now. Um, but Jamie, I got to ask, uh, how do you feel about one day contracts? So I have the, it's funny cause it has really nothing to do with the NFL, but I have really, really strong feelings about players being allowed to retire in the uniform that, that they want to retire in because this is something that the Cubs handled terribly, like truly, truly terribly with regards to some of the guys who were on that world series team. Um, there were guys who offered to take like whatever bare minimum contract they could for a single year so that they could retire as Cubs and were traded anyway. And it still infuriates me that these are people who brought a championship to the city after 108 years and were not given that opportunity. So if he wants to retire Brown and they are allowing him to sign this one day contract so that he can do that. I just think it shows a tremendous amount of respect for him and what he brought to the program. And it gives him the opportunity to show respect to the program as well. Like, I love this. I'm also, I, it's kind of like the seal reaction. Like I can't help, but go like, Oh, you know, whenever I see a story like this about these very short, you know, one day or $1 contracts so that players can go, 
um, where they spent most of their careers. Uh, what makes Joe Hayden's particularly interesting is that after he left Cleveland, he went to Pittsburgh, where he was something of a bogeyman for the Browns for many seasons. But in, I mean, that almost makes it even more heartwarming as his heart is obviously in Cleveland and he wants to be a Brown. Um, so we'll take him back for one it's day. Also, like there's something really cute about it because it's, the it's Browns. so cute. Like, we know that the Browns obviously like had a great season last year. I think they're like probably the real deal this year, but like historically they're the Browns. And so like to be like, nope, actually that's just my team like is so cute. I love it so much. Yeah. We're going to talk about other cute Browns things later in the show, but for now we'll put a pin in that. Um, and Jamie, I, it has been literally, I think maybe a month since you and I connected. Um, but Scott Frost got fired. Oh, he sure did. He sure did. Unbelievable. <laughs> well, it's, it's actually not, it's actually not unbelievable. It's, it's very believable. believable. Um, we have, I think we're going to have more thoughts on this specifically later in the show. Um, but we had to acknowledge that it happened. I, I thought he would at least get to conference play, but, you know, I thought maybe, I thought maybe he was going to get away with the full season, given the fact that it didn't happen immediately after him being like, our players were puking left and right. Our players are puking. Um, And for those of you who missed it, after Northwestern beat Nebraska, Northwestern's offensive line coach tweeted that his players don't puke at all during practice. Oh, it was so good. The shade was so beautiful. It was cool shade. But finally, uh, before we jump into topics um, for this week, Jamie, I know that you and I are both starting some new columns for Land Grant. Uh, Did you want to talk a little bit about yours? You know, I'm just kind of rolling with it week to week. But do you have an ongoing theme that you're rolling with? Um, I do. I feel like when we text during games, it's probably like on that theme. But the idea of things that we'll be talking about later, because they're just either kind of absurd or ridiculous that happened during the games. Ooh, I love um, and so, yeah, we'll we'll be seeing that the column is called. We'll talk about this later. Um, and it highlights, like I said, strange things that strange things that happen, um, and then relating them to, you know, more pop culture references. So for example, speaking of puking, when the Purdue defensive back had that pick six against Penn state in week one, and then proceeded to vomit on the sidelines, that would obviously be bridesmaids. Truly, truly. (laughs) I have referenced bridesmaids in absurd amount in the last 24 hours. Me too. Like For our listeners, I had really bad food poisoning yesterday. And like the only thing I could do was laugh about bridesmaids. Oh gosh. Well, we had a rebel Wilson experience uh, in the Hein household. So um, we were on the bridesmaids train for a different reason, but. Oh my gosh. Love that. <laughs> anyway. Maybe not because her character in that movie. Is... It, she, it's pretty gross. <laughs> I hope it well, involved like a truly infected tattoo, but. Yeah. Yeah, it. I can't think about that too. Tattoo. I'm so sorry. Um. So on that note, let's move on to Ohio State football. Um. In a fun twist, as I mentioned, neither Jamie nor I have watched a live Ohio State game in the last two weeks, um, as we've been traveling across the country. So we've been following everything asynchronously. 
So Jamie, what was it like to miss a game? I haven't missed a game in like a very long time. So it felt very weird. It did feel very weird. So first of all, I was really glad that it wasn't the Notre Dame game. But it still felt really weird. And like, listen, the service, because I was trying to watch like the game cast on my phone just as I was going. Um, There was no service at Red Rocks and there was not great service on the beach at Cape May. So I, you know, I was at a concert Saturday night. I went to see Brandy Carlisle at Red Rocks during the Arkansas State game. And then during the Toledo game, I was at um, the kind of like after the day after party for my cousin's wedding. So we were, my whole family was like out on the beach in Cape May, New Jersey. So I was watching GameCast as it would load, but really it was like a lot of like reading the stats afterward. And I did watch like game footage later and I recorded the Toledo, I had my roommate record the Toledo game. So I did watch that back after the fact. Nice. Well, I have to say that I was on Pacific time. And so during the Arkansas state game, it was, it started at nine in the morning. Oh yeah. It's coffee and football. Yeah. I mean, I love the concept, but like the folks that we were with, we were in Seattle at the time and like, you know, watch stepping aside to watch a football game for a few hours wasn't an option. And so I was similarly game casting while we walked to get coffee and donuts and like while we were going about our day and getting kind of frenzied texts from my friends about how Ohio State was looking terrible and was going to lose the game. And I was like, oh, my gosh, what's going on? And I game, like checked the game cast and we were up maybe four touchdowns at that point. So perhaps a little unnecessary in terms of the panic. But then I was at a glamping wedding during the Toledo game. Which, and there was no Wi-Fi. So I found out everything that happened on Sunday morning. Oh, my gosh. Okay, I do need more information on this glamping wedding because that sounds awesome. It was amazing. It was incredible. The like the tents had heated beds, which was very nice. Wait, that's really cool. And like they had electricity. And, and I get it. No Wi-Fi. You're in the woods. It's fine. But... It was interesting. What was fun, though, was that uh, my husband is an Iowa fan. And in the middle of the night, he got a text about how Iowa won after several lightning delays. Oh, my God. Like two in the morning. Um, The Iowa game, from what I hear from some friends who were in attendance, was insane. And uh, I had friends who stayed to the end, but sounded crazy. Oh, gosh. Well... We have in the show notes later, but we might as well talk about it now. There was a dog that showed up at the Iowa game in the fourth quarter because security was gone and it was one in the morning. Yeah. So people were just like walking in with their dogs, which I kind of love dogs. Dogs should be able to watch football, too. Like if dogs can be a mascot for football, they can watch football. All right. Well, on that note, we're going to talk about other dog mascots. Did you hear about the drama between Old Dominion and Virginia? I sure did. Like, oh Virginia, my gosh. Be, be more threatened by a service dog, please. I beg of you. So for like, those of you who don't know, Virginia played Old Dominion. Old Dominion was traveling to Virginia, I should say. And Virginia denied a field pass to Old Dominion's yellow lab puppy mascot. First of all, you monster, how dare you? 
But then Virginia's own service dog, who I read is like a descendant of like Thomas Jefferson's golden retriever or something like that, which somehow- and who technically has like more authority than the chancellor at UVA. Somehow that makes everything worse. It does. Levels. It does. However, we will credit this dog um, because Virginia's dog said that he wanted to have a play date with the old Dominion mascot during the game on the field. So he granted a field pass. Thank God. At least that's how it played out on Twitter on the dog's accounts. Thank God for the dog. Because like the other, the rationale that Virginia used was that the old dominion dog isn't their official mascot. He's like quote unquote, just a service dog. That should make it even more reasonable that he can be on the field. Right. It's just like genuinely absurd all the way around. It's absurd. It's absurd. But anyway, it all turned out okay. All the dogs got to attend the football game, including the Iowa fan dog. I assume he was an Iowa fan and not a Nevada fan, but who knows? But yeah, it all worked out. Anyway, we, we're jumping ahead a little bit, but we do have more Big Ten and NFL discussion uh, for you today. But first, we're going to take a short break. So stay with us. Welcome back, Jamie. So we started talking about the dogs before our break. Um, we did have some other hot topics from around college football and the NFL, uh, in the last couple of weeks. Um, I alluded to this earlier, but did you have a chance to see the elf at first energy stadium? Um, I did have a chance to see the elf. This was a hot topic of discussion amongst my family members who spent all day Sunday watching football together. Um, he's terrifying. Hey, that's rude. Okay, no, no, no. The one that's painted on the field is cute. The one, the mascot man elf is terrifying. I'm offended. There are much more terrifying mascots out there. I'm not saying he's the most terrifying. I'm just saying he is terrifying. And that's not a bad thing. He's a mascot. He's allowed to be terrifying. I mean, I think he's very cute. And I will highlight more terrifying mascots because they're out there. Big and Lil Red for Nebraska, for example, are very much more terrifying than the elf. I mean, nothing is more terrifying than the Stanford tree, who is my, my favorite mascot. Because do you know the story with the Stanford tree? Like, um, We have discussed it, but why don't you rehash it for the folks? On so the, the Stanford tree is different every year. Like they, they, the mascot never looks the same because whoever is playing the mascot makes their own costume. And if you Google like Stanford tree throughout the years, you will see some of the most horrific artistry (laughs) imaginable. Um, And as a result, it is my favorite mascot because I just think it's hilarious. I mean, it reminds me a little bit of like vintage Brutus and like guys, nobody loves Brutus more than I, I love Brutus so much. But like the 60s Brutus and the 70s Brutus where it's just like he he is just a giant Buckeye with like arms and legs. It's terrifying. Oh, he's he's scary. Um, also, my sister went to SLU, St. Louis University. The Billiken is 
horrific. Um, I'm looking at would, the Dillican now. She would say he's cute, but he is not cute. He's very scary. He's like a like blue demon thing. I don't even, he's like a devil of some sorts, which is interesting because like, yeah, he's like a blue devil, but not yeah. like a blue devil. Right. Like he's like, like he and his eyes are just like kind of, kind of off crooked, off kilter. Like he's, he's kind of winking. No, he's a no from me. The Southern Illinois mascot, if you've ever seen him, is a Persian greyhound. <gasps> He's like the the scariest one. Let's back up. Let's back up. You're talking about like the person in the mascot suit because the actual Persian greyhound is beautiful. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm talking like Saluki. The Saluki. It's the Saluki. That's what it is. The mascot is so scary. Like, do you watch Ted Lasso? I sure don't. I'm sorry. Oh, I feel like you would love it. I'm sure uh, I would. We just don't have Apple TV. I really, I feel like the show would be just, it's like heartwarming sports. Like everyone is nice to each other. It's so sweet. But there's a character in Ted Lasso called Trent Grimm. And like, for those of you who watch Ted Lasso, the Saluki looks like Trent Krim went through a horror. Like he's like the haunted house version of Trent Krim. Okay. That will make, like if you go, if you watch Ted Lasso, look up the Southern Illinois Saluki and tell me that I'm wrong. Cause I it's, he's the haunted house version of Trent Krim. Oh boy. Well, I maintain that the live mascot is a beautiful pupper. Um, and we'll wrap up the mascot discussion by an unequivocal, by talking about an unequivocally cute mascot. Um, I think the Western Kentucky Hilltopper spicy opinion is adorable. Ooh, Western. I don't know if I've ever seen him. You know, actually, you know who else is pretty? Oh yeah. He's cute. He's just kind of a blob. He's he's like the top of the hill. I think some people would say that gritty is scary. I think that gritty is the best mascot of all of the mascots. Oh, we know how you feel about Gritty. And so like, he's not scary. Um, Purdue Pete's kind of creepy. You know, he, Purdue Pete and like Big Red are definitely related. Like, Purdue Pete has sparkly eyes. I don't, uh, his eyes literally like the whites of his eyes are actually like silver and sparkly. I don't like it at all. Um, also the Providence College Friar. No, take it back. He's like, you, do you like him? I like him. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, we're going to, we'll have to agree to disagree on this. I saw him at the first four in Dayton, like six years ago. And he has like really cool dance moves and he uses like his belly, like his like mascot belly to like dance. And I, I like him. I'm sorry. He's definitely not as scary as Big Red or Purdue Pete. Um, what about Wichita state? Wait, hold on. I have to look up which if you, if you tell me that you think Wichita state is cute, I'm ending this recording. No, for sure. Not. <laughs> okay. Thank God. He looks like if Andy Warhol were a mascot. Yes. Oh my gosh. That's spot on. Woo shock is his name. If you want to look him up, he's got like weird wrinkles too. Anyway, there's a, our parent. I'm look. I'm sorry. I'm looking up Wu Shock. There's previous versions where it looks like he is actually supposed to be like a barrel of wheat. Anyway, I, he's horrifying on like all fronts. Like, and when he has the because right now he has like three different ponytails, but like 
at one point he had like a flat head with like what essentially looks like spaghetti noodles glued to it. He, I, he's a no from me. Yeah. Well, on that note, we can agree. We can move on. <laughs> That's so terrifying. Um, speaking of Wichita State, though, obviously we know them as a basketball school. Did you see in the news that North Carolina, Duke, Kentucky, and Kansas are all three and oh? I did, which it is feels, kind of crazy. It feels inappropriate. Like, sorry. They're not supposed to be good at the football. It's a, it's upsetting because actually, I don't know. I feel like most Duke fans I know, like, do not care about football. And if given the opportunity to have a good football team, like would also not care. You know, it's interesting. Like I agree, but I could also see my friends who are Duke fans, like not caring about football, but still bragging about football. Oh, like Kentucky fans. Yeah. We can't let them on to the fact that Kentucky's three, and know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, they're allowed to brag about basketball. They're good at the basketball. You don't get to jump on the football bandwagon all of a sudden just because you have one good season. Yeah, I mean... I feel strongly that you are with your team in good times and in bad. Like, this is... Your team is... It's in sickness and in health, baby. And so, like, you don't get to just jump on because it's in health this time. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, Kentucky, UNC... And Duke, at least, all have pretty challenging conference schedules. So we'll see how that goes for them. Um, But anyway, speaking of conference play, back to Ohio State. uh, We are kicking off Big Ten play with Wisconsin Saturday. Second straight night game, third night game in four weeks, and fourth straight game at the Horseshoe to kick off the season. Yeah, kind of crazy. Yeah, it's wild, isn't it? It's, you know, it's a tough conference game to open the season. Like Wisconsin's always one of those teams that I don't want to say they scare me, but like you always kind of have to keep your eye on them because even in the seasons when they're not great, they show up when they play Ohio State. Um, But with that said, like, I really think that, you know, Ohio State, the defense isn't perfect, but it's certainly improved from the last two years. So I think that, it's going to not be a blowout game by any means, but I do think that OSU is going to, going to come out on top, but I think it, I think it's going to be a, a bit more of a challenge than the last two weeks have been. Yeah. And I mean, it's always that way with Wisconsin. They just run the ball so much that you just, I mean, Ohio state had 13 offensive possessions against Toledo. They scored touchdowns on 11 of them. Like they're not going to get 11 offensive possessions against Wisconsin. Um, They just, the games move so quickly. Wisconsin possesses the ball, runs the ball so much. Like you you just don't have that scale to be able to blow someone out. And that is what, in my opinion, makes a team like Wisconsin challenging to play is that if you fall behind, you don't really have an opportunity to come back the way you might against other teams. Um, The flip side is that Wisconsin... (laughs) I can't say I've watched a full game of theirs this year, but it's not as though they have a quick strike offense. So if they fall behind, it's even worse for them. Right. What's, your, anyway. final, what's your final score prediction for the game? Oof. I'm going to go with 35 to 18. Oh, so like yeah. about, about the difference that I, so m- mine is going to be 42, 24. Okay. 
I'm writing the preview for this week, so maybe I'll revise it. The same point differential, just about just different, just slightly higher scoring. Yeah. I feel like Wisconsin will score against our defense. I feel Mm -hmm. like Ohio state will score against Wisconsin's defense. Yeah. At about those rates. So we'll see how it goes. Yeah. And really like, I mean, give or take one touchdown is about what we've got in terms of differences. So like same, same amount of same point differential, just one more touchdown for each team on my end. And yeah, I think, I, I think there are like still enough holes in OSU's defense that Wisconsin can put probably 24 points on the board, but we'll, I do think OSU is going to come out on top. Concur. I just think like our offense is so formidable this year that it's like the defense improving even just a hair was like enough to, you know, I don't know. Agreed. Um, and frankly, we've seen Ohio state beats a good team this year in Notre Dame. Obviously the Irish have struggled um, throughout this early season, uh, but we also saw Wisconsin lose a non-conference game. Um, so it feels, it feels like Ohio state um, certainly owns this matchup and will come up on top, but you know, definitely the toughest test we've had since Notre Dame. Um, so we gotta make sure we show up strong, but Anyway, that's all we've got for today. Before we wrap up the show, though, Jamie, do you have any shout outs for today? I sure do. Um, so I'm going to shout out another member of the Las Vegas Aces, uh, their forward, Derek Hamby, who announced at the parade that she was she didn't just win an WNBA championship. She played while she was pregnant. <laughs> like she announced her pregnancy at the parade, which means she was pregnant throughout the championship. So like women are so cool. That's amazing. Congratulations. You also. can have it all. Like, oh, so huge congrats to her on her championship and her pregnancy. And like, just oh, so I just think that's so rad. Literally having it all. So amazing. Um, so mine is less of a shout out and more of a well wishes. Uh, so Buffalo defensive back Dane Jackson uh, had a really scary moment on Monday Night Football um, if you didn't catch it, uh, he got hit by a teammate immediately went down. Like it was a very, very scary hit and ambulance immediately came on the field. Like they didn't even mess with the cart and he was actually released from the hospital today and managed to avoid any serious back and neck injuries, which is just incredible considering how severe this hit looked. Um, so just warm wishes to him, uh, hoping that, you know, he obviously is hurting a little bit. Um, so hoping for a continued recovery for him and, you know, very glad that this injury was not more serious. Yeah, absolutely. It's always like, it's one of those things, like when you watch those hits, like my heart always just kind of stops. Like, well, you, I mean, we all remember when Ryan Chazier that hit on Monday night football. And like, I, I, that was what I thought of. And I'm sure that that's what a lot of folks were thinking when they saw this hit happen. Um, it it was horrible. Yeah. Just awful. But Hey, he's, He's walking now as well. Uh, Yeah. It's just like, ultimately at the end of the day, no matter how much we love our sport, like you never, ever want to see, I don't want to see someone like sprain their ankle, let alone have like a career ending injury or something like even more severe. Um, I don't know. It's really scary. Definitely. And you know, it's why, it's why the league has made all of these efforts to make sure that the game is safer. Right. 
on that note, that's all we have for today. As a reminder, you can follow Jamie at Jamie Urich, me at Meredith Hine, and the site at Land Grant 33. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks again for listening to Play Like a Girl. And as always, go Bucks. Go Bucks.